Hello, and welcome to The Funny Thing About Yoga, where we talk all things yoga and maybe make you laugh a little bit. I'm Gianna Gambino. And I'm Bradshaw Wish. Enjoy the episode. (laughs) (laughs) Oh my God, I'm having so much fun. Hello, everyone. Happy Pride. It is Bradshaw Wish, and I'm here with Gianna, who um, is not queer, which I think is disgusting. (laughs) Hi, everyone. I do think that um, queer people have more fun than straight people, and I thoroughly mean that. Don't you think so? In your circle, yeah. Yeah, that's true. I mean- Because you have- a very full social life. You're always doing things. I also think Chicago is very unique and there's a lot of unique. Yeah. You can't do that every time I say unique. (laughs) You know what that comes from? Beyonce. I'm not gay, but I know that. (laughs) (laughs) Oh my God. Wait, can you tell, can you tell the podcast about the text that I sent you? You said, Oh, I said, I said prize on Sunday because Gianna's in town and she's like, and question mark. I'm, she goes, and question mark. I'm proud of you. And I was like, I hate you. And I wanted her to go rainbow. And And I I am proud of you. I'm proud of all the things you do in the gay world. That's true. And Gianna, which really, that's another podcast. What's really crazy is John, Gianna has another friend who happens to be a lesbian. Um, and that's, I think, very, very unique. <laughs> I can't comment on any of this. <laughs> Most of my friends are gay. I um, literally, she has so many gay friends. I'm like, can you just turn, you know? Yeah. Um, we, okay. So today we do have a serious, uh, topic. Yeah. We're our gonna- topic is a, it, the topic is about Being how to, gay. How, no, it's the topic <laughs> is how to be more gay. When you teach or actually how to turn gay through vinyasa. That's actually the theme of today's <laughs> yeah. oh through breath through movement. You will all of a sudden become a flaming homosexual after 60 minutes. <laughs> this is the sure thing recipe to lose all your conservative listeners. I okay. Yeah. I year if you're fucking conservative, get out of here. We don't want you. You probably want <laughs> book bands and all the other bands. Um, all right, let's get to the topic. Okay. So the topic today, take it away, G what's the topic today. Today, we're going to talk about language and cueing. And before we get into this, I just want to say Bradshaw and I are always learning and, you know, having a podcast where things are recorded and speaking off the cuff, sometimes like A lot of this is subjective in our personal opinion, and we'll get into that in this episode um, about like our preferences with cueing Mm -hmm. and stuff like that. But I do want to say I was made aware in our last episode that was about things we no longer do as yoga teachers. I had mentioned stretch lab. We we talked about how we don't um, passively stretch anymore. And I had thrown like off the cuff stretch lab as like a passive stretch place. But one of our listeners brought it to my attention that they actually aren't passive stretching. I did not know this. It's kind of vague on their website, but it is more of a like push and release technique where you do engage. Anyway, 
I have not been there. I've had a friend who's been, who's been there and told me about it. And I don't think they had the language to know what they were doing. So anyway, I just wanted to clarify that. Cause I think as we say things that are on record and people will be like, Oh no, that's not actually true. I'm like really open and want to be like, Oh yeah, I should tell our audience and own up to it. And I am the opposite where I don't want you to tell me if I'm wrong. I don't care if you think that I'm wrong. I'm always right. And I don't need to hear your opinion. You know, that's, you know, gee, like, okay, this is kind of, we'll, we'll get to language in a second, but you know how like in any kind of like corporate job and also in yoga or like even in that corporate jobs, any kind of job, there's always like a lot of jobs, there's a lot of feedback. Like, do you want my feedback mm -hmm. for what you thought of class? And yeah. there are times where I'm like, no, I don't. Yeah. I do not want your feedback. I don't care what you think. Do you ever feel that way? Well, I literally had a job that would do that. I was like, every class is not going to be my best class ever. Unfortunately, I wish every class was going to be in my top five, but you know, we're human and there are off days. Sometimes emotions get the best of us, sometimes stress or anxiety or menstrual cramps or whatever it is. Like you, my God, you, yesterday when I was teaching my menstrual cramps. <laughs> <laughs> I can't even tell. It felt like, you know, one time I asked my mom, what's it like to have a baby? And she goes, like someone's drive, like a Mack truck is driving through your uterus. And I was like, okay, bye. You're like, what's it feel like to have a uterus? Um <laughs> I'm like, I'm like, what is a uterus? <laughs> okay, oh but God. today we are talking about language and cueing and things that Gianna and I like to do and things that we've learned along the way and maybe some habits that we have we work on um breaking. Mm -hmm. Yeah. The first, the first thing that like really comes to mind for me that I really have kind of, it's been a, the, something I have focused on in my teaching since I started teaching. And that is, uh, I call it minimum, minimum relevant cueing. So mm -hmm. with my cueing, I prefer to be very direct, um, and less quote unquote, like explainy. So for example, inhale, reach up, exhale, forward fold, inhale, halfway lift, exhale, chaturanga, just being very, very direct in terms of my cueing and taking a lot of the language out. So when I do go into more detail, I think students are more likely to listen because mm -hmm. I don't fill this. I try not to fill the space with lots of verbiage. Yeah. I think that sort of direct cueing technique also um, shows that you are like decisive and precise and like that automatically elicits this feeling of like trust and authority, but like authority, not in a way where um, you're going to be you know, abusing any authority where you're like yelling or something, but it's like, it's a command is what I mean. Like you are speaking in a command in a way that is easy to follow and respond to. And then also it allows the students to like have trust in, in your authority of like knowing where you're guiding them. Yes. And I brought this up before. I think that not over cueing leaves something that is I that I miss often in yoga class, which is space. Mm -hmm. Well, let's get to that a little bit later because I think we've talked okay, whatever about you this. Say. We've talked about this a little bit, but I do think that there's a time and a place for 
over cueing, I'm putting that in quotes versus the minimal relevant cueing that Bradshaw's talking about. I think if you're teaching to beginners, you need to have a little bit more of a description. There has Mm -hmm. to be more, um, cueing around this setup and, you know, you can't just say inhale warrior one and everyone knows what that is. There has Mm -hmm. to be like, what the heck is a warrior one? Let's explain it. And so this brings me to one of the things that I always try to do is build from the ground up. So start your cues from the feet and then work your way up the body towards, you know, whatever it is that's at the top of the pose, whether the arms are raised over the shoulders or if it's just the crown of your head. Um, yeah. And so this would mean if it was in that warrior one, I would, and I was teaching to beginners, I would describe in simple, clear language, how to place your feet, like turn your back heel down, let your back toes point to the opposite corner of your mat, ground through your front foot, you know, breathe into rise, whatever it is. I'm like doing the, what I would say to beginners technique on that, but I would be really descriptive of this is where you place your feet. This is the action. Now you're using that front foot. You're pushing down the, you know, glutes are engaged, the arms are long and and so on. So I'm just like building up and I'm doing this very like casually, but like building from the feet to the hands, because that's easier to digest rather than if you were to cue something with the hands and then the foot and then the hip and then the shoulder. And it's like bringing it gives, people it gives back and forward. Yeah. It, give, it gives direction, but cause just think about it. If you're like, I'm just throwing this out there tucking your ribs in and then pressing down through your feet, but then raising your arms up and then like twerking your hips back or whatever. It's like one thing outdoes the other. It's like constant change. Whereas you want to build fluidly and progressively up to where you want them to be. You don't want all these little micro movements to like counteract what they're doing. And another thing G is like, I imagine when you're doing this, especially teaching to beginners, you don't just say them as quickly all, all at once. You like allow some time <laughs> and space for them to land in, you know, especially, mm-hmm. especially with beginners. Cause they're like, press your right foot down. And like, when I take a good class, I'm like, okay, my right foot press, it takes me a second for yeah. the cue to land. So when you're working stuff like that from the ground up, you want to give them time. There's no, time you don't to have to rush. It. Yes, because you don't want it to feel like you are just reading off a to-do list Mm -hmm. and the student is just check, check, check. Like that's the opposite of what you want to feel. You want to encourage the students to have an embodied experience. And if they're just like running this list through their head or I got to do this with my feet, this with my hips, this Mm -hmm. with my arms, this, you know, it's just not going to penetrate like deeply in their own inner wisdom or, you know, embodied understanding of that position. Um, and I think one, one thing I want to say about this, cause it's a really good point, Bradshaw is that oftentimes when you hear like a beginner's yoga class, even if you are someone who's been practicing for years and years, I often find a beginner's class more challenging because Always. of that time and space. Like you're like holding this, you know, I used warrior one as an example, you'll be holding that for a little bit longer than you would in your typical flow class where you're just there for like a couple beats and then keep moving. And the other day I actually taught a beginner's class and after class, 
one of my students who came up to, uh, came up to me after class and they've been taking my typical vinyasas and they were like, that was so much harder than I thought. And, and I was like, what, what about the experience made it feel harder to you? And they said, because we were just holding that for way longer than I've ever held that. And it like really felt my legs. And I was like, yeah. And I, I think the label beginners allows for an entry point to build this understanding, but it should not be synonymous with like easy. Cause I don't think, you know, it's not an easy class. No, well, I, I also think so that the, the fundamentals are really, they can be hard to learn, you know, and learn mm-hmm. how to do them well. I also think that like we were talking yesterday because I subbed a two, three class and you're like, how was it? I was, and I was like, oh, it was great. It was, it's, I'm like, it's easy to teach a two, three. And the reason it's easy to teach a two, three is because most people at the two, three class know mm-hmm. all the poses. So yeah. like, you don't have to describe as much. You can literally yeah. just say warrior one mm-hmm. compared to teaching to beginners. Teaching to beginners is the most, requires the most skill, mm-hmm. I think. As a I agree. I agree. And I think, um, now just talking about the midline, like teaching, like in all levels, you know, this is something mm-hmm. our teacher, uh, Jason Crandall says is that most classes are going to be all levels. Cause if there's more than one person in mm-hmm. the room, because no two people are typically on, you know, that same quote unquote, like all level mm-hmm. or same level or whatever. Sorry, I messed that one up. And we're just talking but- right now about asana. We're just talking about Yes, completely. This is about the physical postures, the asana specifically. Um, But when you are teaching those all levels classes, that's where it becomes challenging to find the balance between how much is too much to say, like what, what is, you know, what is the appropriate amount of talking? What are the cues that they need? And so typically in these all level classes, I try to say like, once I get students into a pose, I try to keep it to like three cues about that pose. I don't Mm. need to tell them everything I know about warrior one or warrior two. Well, not only, and that's like another important thing too. And that's a balance of like, when you are being a little bit more intricate or nuanced, Mm -hmm. relaying those cues in a way that's digestible Mm-hmm. and understand like that, that the like average person will understand, you yeah. know, using imagery, using language that, um, is easy, easier to follow. Do you have a number of like, I call these refinement cues, like once they're in a pose, do you have like a certain maximum capacity of like refinement cues you'll give, or do you just kind of feel it out situation by situation? I feel it out. And also I, this is a good point. I wait to see people in the pose to see what Mm -hmm. I'm going to say. Like, I'm not like, like warrior two, reach your arms out. It's like warrior two. If everyone's reaching their arms out, I don't need to say, reach your arms out. Yeah. You know? And like, so if I see everyone in, you know, warrior two and they're all like they're you know their their torso is like leaning forward i'll say let your shoulders just rest on top of your hips not reaching forward or back you know mm-hmm. like so i'm I'm cueing to what i'm seeing mm-hmm. um and so you you I, I like to say the pose and then see what happens yeah, see kind of I, where everyone's at and assess i them. agree i agree with that 
it's so important to look and see. And so once you do that, once you start actually cueing to what's in the room, there are sometimes where like the class is pretty big. There can be so many different things I want to address, but I'm like, okay, I have to like quickly assess in my head. What are the things that I want to say? Cause I don't want to inundate the entire class with like the list of what I see for every single person mm-hmm. in this group. Mm-hmm. So like the other day, for example, in a warrior two, it was a longer hold. I saw a bunch of people really making warrior two a backbend and like, like overly exaggerating the curve in their lumbar spine. And I, I saw two people doing that. And I was like, okay, one of my refinement cues is going to be about that. Cause mm-hmm. I know that I can at least, you know, help the alignment for these two people. Well, and uh, yeah. Oh, I was going to say also, it's like, you can't, re- you can't say like, um, y- Every, like say you have 60 people in a room and like mm-hmm. one person has their knee kind of in a wonky way and warrior one or something. It's like, you're not going to say every single thing for every single person you're seeing. Like you either, everyone's exactly. not going to learn everything about the pose in an hour. Mm-hmm. Like you're, yeah. you're not going to teach everything about that pose in an hour. So it's like, mm-hmm. it's kind of like you, you let some stuff go. You have to, mm-hmm. you cause have if to, not, you, you would be there filter. for, an, you'd be there for an hour talking about warrior two. Mm -hmm. or whatever. So typically like I'll, you know, I'll do the most, you know, pressing or the most obvious refinement cues, but then also I personally will cue to the feeling I want them to have. So Mm -hmm. if I'm sequencing for, let's just say abduction or abduction, and I'm just going to tell people what that is. Okay. So abduction is when you move a body part, it could be legs or arms away from the midline. So for example, you're just say you're in mountain pose, Mm -hmm. just stepping one foot off your mat all the way to the right. You would be abducting or lifting Mm -hmm. your leg out to the side. You'd be abducting. So in warrior two, I feel like you abduct me every time I try to hug you. Yeah. So in warrior two, your front leg in warrior two is abducted. I mean, they're both abducted, but you are also externally rotating and abducting. I'm going to make this way more, yes, you're, way, you're more confusing. Us way more confusing. <laughs> I think I can make it easier, which is like, say you're doing a class on the shoulders, mm-hmm. then like you're going to, the most of the cues are going to be around the shoulders. So like if I'm doing, you know, people are doing warrior one, I'm not going to really cue to the legs. You know, yeah. I'm not going to talk about the legs in the class. I'm kind of going to let the legs go unless everyone's in crescent lunge or something like that. But like, yeah. I'm going to talk specifically about what I'm focusing on. Well, I could have explained that, but you asked me to explain abducting. And then you said, well, no one knows what that is. Then you said, let me explain it easier, more easily. And then you didn't explain abducting. You explained the cueing. So now you're just making people think that I don't know what I'm talking about. She has no idea what she's talking about. She doesn't even know what warrior (laughs) two is. Okay. She actually called me last night and she goes, who's Vera Badrasana? She's like, I've never met her before. (laughs) I know. I know. Lights, camera, action. Okay. I agree with that. I'm going to, I have to rein this in. I agree with Bracha. You want to, if you are doing a class on shoulders in warrior two, you can cue to the shoulders. Um, but just, I was going with this abducting thing. Take it away. If you want to finish, I just want to finish finish it it because why did I start this? I'm not going to finish it. So say they're holding the warrior 
to, I would have them, I would cue to press their feet down and pull them out apart so that I can show them where their, you know, abductor muscles are in their hips. And then you'll feel that feeling. So you're, yeah, you're cueing to what you want them to feel. Exactly. I know that we just really took that on a big giant roundabout, but I hope that makes sense. And I hope that what you get from that is that in addition to like keeping your cues minimal, keeping space around them, and then cueing to what you want them to feel that you should also throw in a couple of refinement cues, but don't overwhelm your students and really filter out which ones are the most important ones to say. Absolutely. I think you wrap that up beautifully. That's the summary of that. I have a question. Yes. What is your filler word? Nice. Mine's good. Oh, it's so annoying. It's and so I, annoying. Every, every time, every I time, nice, like, if someone I've... like record records my class, and it's like every it's like good, 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 yeah. and I'm like, I really try, and I'm just like, well, I mean, Jason's is nice too. I know. Nice. Maybe that's why nice. I've inherited it. Nice. This is so real for any yoga teacher listening. Like, you know, you have a filler word. Mm-hmm. You know, yeah, a filler every- word I really like from someone I practice with. I I practiced with, well, he's no longer on glow, but I love dice on glow. And his filler word is please. And I absolutely love it. Oh, it's like the please. only filler word I really enjoy. You'll be like, lift your lift your right leg up please well he probably he he, he probably like that because you want him to be your boyfriend let's also be serious guys if you are listening to this my friend gianna gambino uh is an italian girl from new york and she's in love with you and we took your class one time Uh, i think he would i think he would want to hold me like as a friend i could see him (laughs) he and i holding each other as friends I cannot confirm with complete consent, complete complaints, complete, 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 complete. (laughs) I cannot Um, confirm or deny my filler, my filler word. I can't confirm or (laughs) deny my yoga crush. (laughs) Oh my God. Um, another thing I like, I used to do this a lot and I see it a lot with new teachers is there, they tell you what they're going to do. Mm -hmm. It's like, now we are going to do warrior one. Wait, can I, can I say something about this? You can say whatever you want, baby. I'm obsessed with you. (laughs) Um, I think that just obviously that wastes time saying we are going to do this, but sometimes, especially when I see people looking tired, Mm -hmm. I like this as a student. And so I tend to do this as a teacher where I, like, if I'm doing salutations, I'll be like one more cycle. Like, I like to let them know there's just one more oh, cycle. Yeah, that's, no, I, I, that's, I love that. I do it all the time. I'm like, we're going to do one more Sunday. Yeah. Even one though more- you said that I do that all the time. And you're like, why do you do that? I never you said, said that. that to me one time. Yeah, you did. I'm like, okay, we're going to do one Sunday. And you're like, why do you tell them what you're going to do? Oh, oh, I think, I think maybe just sun B and sun A people don't know what that is, but I think it's good to learn. Oh, I think they do. Do you? It's hard to be critical about my teaching though, because I know that it's good. I know that it's just some of the best in this in the world. You're really, really stupid. <laughs> I'm just kidding. I I think we're both great teachers, but I'm sure people have taken our class and like, I don't really like them. No, I was literally or like, you I know, was, and that was, we... that was being sarcastic, but okay, yes. You um, <laughs> just want to hear. I can no, I can critics. totally I can literally tell when someone doesn't like it. I'm like, well, they're not coming back. Well, okay. So when people are really like gassed and tired, that's when I think telling them what's 
next, mm-hmm. not, not like you need to narrate. I would stay away from narrating, but being like one more round mm-hmm. or, or like what, well, like also put a positive, put positive language in that. Like mm-hmm. one more round, you got it. You're doing yeah. great. Mm-hmm. You know, that kind of stuff. Yeah. I, I mean, when I work out, I like to hear that I'm doing well. Yes. I mean, you know, I want to be, I want someone to be like, you got it. Like, I like that. Or yeah. I like, I like you worthless piece of shit. Get it together. One more burpee. And if you don't, you are trash. I like that too. No, I really don't like that. I don't like to feel like the person leading. I know you're joking, but I don't like to feel like the person leading the room is um, like a drill sergeant. Yeah. Or like scary in any way. It's really funny. I was actually talking to a student after class. Some people I think do like that though. I, think I know people, who some told people, me that they yeah. were like, do you remember that teacher who used to teach her that was like kind of mean and was fired? I was like, no, who? And then they started describing, I was like, no, I don't know who you're talking about. And they're like, yeah, I think they were problematic, but they were like really, really strict. And I loved it. <laughs> I was like, that's interesting. Mm-hmm. Yeah. I think some people, I mean, I like that too, because I tend to work hard. I like them both, but I think that I tend to work harder with people that are more strict. Yeah. But I think that's where the separation between like yoga being church and state. Yeah. Yoga being your workout versus it not being your workout. Yeah. Yeah. I get that. It's my work in Bradshaw. I mean, (laughs) I will personally, what I have to work on in terms of my language in class is and Gianna knows this and I'm I am working on it is not using don't or no mm-hmm. like this is not you know I don't want you to do this do this I don't yeah I think say the positive first and then if you mm. want to follow it up then say the negative like for example I teach a hatha style hot class that I kind of take from the hot 26, but I make it more my own and I don't do everything twice. And I, I kind of, I try to bring balance to, to the hot 26 in the ways, which I think like it needs balance. Like dancers pose shouldn't be like one of the first couple poses you do. Mm -hmm. Anyway, I was teaching like a dancer's pose, but with just a quad stretch, no back bend. So like, hold on to your back foot. Don't take the back bend. See how I just said that? Don't take the back bend. So I, so I try to set it up. Like this is different than your dancer's pose. We're going to do dancers in a moment, but for now, just keep your spine long, hug your back heel towards your body and feel the length in the front of your hip. If you don't feel the length on the front of your hip, Take your knee a little bit further back, but try to keep your ribs drawn in to reduce any back bending. So I can say it other ways instead of now grab your back foot. This is not dancers though. Don't do dancers. Do this. Yeah. Like you see I the can do difference? that sometimes. Yeah. Yeah. I could, I definitely do that sometimes, but, um, I'm trying to be well, more like you every day. <laughs> I'm trying to be more like you every day. Well, well how did you? Which one? No, honestly, which one as a student would you respond to? Because you just said you like authority. Would you like the don't do dancers, do this or the we'll get to dancers in a moment. But for now, let's focus on this, this and this. I don't really care. No, I think I think um, probably the first one, probably the first one. Do you like the authority, authoritative abuse? 
Well, I like to be abused and I like, no, I don't, I like to, no, I like to be abused with consent. It's called BDSM. And it's something that Gianna, no one really knows this, but she's a dominatrix. And with her students, she steps on them with heels. (laughs) Here's the thing. I don't even have to refute anything you say, because I feel like I've built up a rapport with the students and listeners by now where they hear you and they're like, He's obviously full of it. I'm not okay. full of it. I'm not full of it. I know about your secrets and I know that you okay. um, are, gonna... like, let's just say, a lady of the night. Oh, can you just stop? <laughs> let's get back to queuing and why people are, are maybe tuning in. I don't know. Is anyone tuning in for the queuing or for his shenanigans? Shenanigans. Um, no, while... I want to say one other thing. I just wanted to take control of the conversation. Okay, I want to get back to like, Hewing, I know we talked about the like don't don't the the don't don't me to death or the double negatives. I want to reinforce that like the positive speaks louder, I think, for most people than the negative. And no, I no, think I do, this I do agree leads with you. me. This leads me to the next thing of like using language that is fostering, you know, someone's own uh self-growth and their connection to themselves. So I think sometimes, and and is inclusive. And I don't think that means we need to be like overly gentle in everything that we do, but I do think it's very important to have inclusive and accommodating language. I agree with you. Oh, I have another one talking about inclusive language. I don't gender anything. So I just say everyone. Yeah. And that's a hard one. I, I totally mess this up sometimes where I'll say guys, guys. And I'm like, Oh, I meant to say something else. Everyone folks, or I don't know. I don't ever say yogis or students or, Oh my God. Oh, that's to me the worst. What yogis? Hey, yogis. I'm like, Bleh. I really, <laughs> really, really, it really, it, it's, it is a pet peeve of mine. It definitely gets under my skin. Why explain it? Hi yogis. Um, it, it just seems a, uh, like appropriation to me yeah like when yeah. someone's like i'm a yogini i'm like yo yogini you literally just made that italian i think it's yogini no. yogini yeah like i like <laughs> like like i'm like a yogini just say you do yoga just say i practice yeah. yoga i'm yoga practitioner yoga yeah like I'm, exactly i'm a yoga student yeah like i'm like i'm are, are you a yogi i'm just like Bleh. do you, okay, you do know what? does it bother you I'm guilty of saying it, but I try not to. Um, you do? When do you say that? I never no, hear you say that. No, I've never. I haven't said it in years, but I'm guilty of having said it in the past. Like, like for instance, a lot of times in my classes, right before shavasana, I would give a couple of breaths for people to do any sort of closing postures of their choice. Mm-hmm. And you may have heard this before, like yogi's choice, you know. And I so I would say that, like take the next couple of breaths to take any closing postures, yogi's choice. Mm -hmm. And I think that's like, I'm realizing that some of the language that we use that may have been tradition or passed down from teacher to teacher actually can be appropriative and awkward. And I'm just in my own process of like learning what resonates, what feels you know, what feels true to me versus what feels like I've just been borrowing this terminology. Yeah, I guess I'm like, I'm really trying to uncover and unpack why it bothers me so much. Yeah. 
Well, you know what? This leads me to something I was thinking about in the shower the other day. What, that you were like, a yogi? No, I was like, a lot of podcasts have nicknames for the listeners of their podcasts. Like, mm-hmm. call them daddy has, the listeners are called daddy gang. And I was like, what are our listeners going to be called? Like the laughers? No, no, no. I would just call them. Let me think. Brilliant. People who make good choices. Um, <laughs> the like, um, the gigglers. No, the queer followers. No, it has to like play off of the name of our podcast. All right, we need suggestions. If you're listening yeah, yeah, to yeah. this, and or you're the like, lover, oh. the lovers of Bradshaw, and sometimes Gianna. <laughs> it's too too much of a mouthful. <laughs> B and G B and G loves. No, that's. Hey, um, I want everyone to know this has nothing to do with yoga, but I have a picture of my mom in my house that is uh, an abstract painting of her. And Gianna thought it was Michael Jackson. Okay. Gianna literally came in and was like, you have to move that picture of Michael (laughs) Jackson on your wrong. I was like, well, I was like, Michael Jackson, that is my mother. (laughs) Can we put the picture of it in the show notes? Yeah. And then I actually fell to the couch laughing in hysterics and he's like and my cousin painted it because I, I was like it's not a very good painting then and he's like but my cousin and I was like oh god I just buried myself in a hole but my now any any time I have someone new come into your apartment I'm like who does that look like and it's really we've really... had three people that say it looks like Michael Jackson so I guess it looks like Michael Jackson here's the thing. It's very abstract. Like it's not like to hold a photo of his mother next to this painting and be like, Oh yeah. Uncanny. So give me a break. <laughs> is it uncanny or okay? Uncanny? I want it. Is it uncanny uh, or uncanny? Uncanny with a Y. I keep saying uncanny. Okay. I want to say one more thing that we didn't talk about. And this is probably the first point that we should have talked about again. And I think this is preference, but this is always what I was taught and what feels good for me. But I think I know what you're gonna say. Cue the breath at first. first. I know you're gonna say that. Breast for breast. Breath first, <laughs> movement second. Yes, and I think the reason why this is this way is because like the breath leads the movement. Like mm-hmm. you want to initiate the breath and let the movement last the entirety of that breath. So, for instance, if I said like reach your arms up, inhale, you're reaching your arms up before you actually take that breath. Whereas if you say inhale, reach your arms up, you're making it last for that breath. Yeah. Yeah. I told, I also, it feels like it doesn't, doesn't it sound more natural like that? Yeah. So for me, I don't, like to me, it rolls off the tongue easier. Same for me, everything is breath, then movement, then pose. So if I were mm-hmm. cueing, like, um, you know, let's just do the reach your arms up, inhale, reach your arms up, Urdhva Hastasana, I would say the breath, the action, then the name of the posture. Yeah. Yeah. And you could simplify it. You could just say inhale, Urdhva Hastasana, but then people would need to know what Urdhva Hastasana is or upward salute. So Mm -hmm. oftentimes I do breath, action, pose. Um, There are slight, slight, slight exceptions to this rule for me. Like, I think I almost always do breath first. I have to be honest, but like, I remember the other day I was like holding them in a halfway lift and halfway lift is actually 
compared to all of the other actions in the salutations, it's a very short motion that half lift is not as grand of a gesture as that like reach all the way up. So you kind of do have more time to talk there because you want to hold them there for one breath. It's not like a sip of air and then you fold so quickly. Do you know what I mean? Yeah, exactly. I think you have time to say more there. And so I will usually be like inhale, half lift, exhale, fold. That's how you would normally say it. But if I wanted to like use an extra little cue there, like inhale, lift your spine halfway and lengthen, like you have Mm -hmm. more time there. Mm -hmm. And then from the opposite end, like when you're coming forward after your sunny to the top of the mat and you come into that half lift, I might say, because they're still in the process of transitioning, transitioning, lift halfway, inhale. It depends. I usually never do it after unless it's on the way back up and it feels like there's still space in that breath. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. Did I make that more confusing? No, no. Okay. Basically what this is pointing to is that the breath is instrumental in creating your pacing. So what I was just describing here is like where they are in the sequence, according to the pacing that you're establishing may allow you more space to say it after if they hadn't gotten there yet. Mm -hmm. And also the breath, like you said, is at the, like, is at the heart of a vinyasa practice. Mm -hmm. So it's just like always leading with that is, you know, again, I think that is the answer. Some people do it differently. That's definitely, but that's definitely a strong preference. I think Gianna and I have, um, and like all of the things that we said today and like John Gianna said at the beginning, there's so many different ways of doing things. These are just things that have worked for us over the years as we mm-hmm. have been teaching for almost a decade, uh, things that we have learned to do. So I'm in the Facebook group. That's just like yoga. I feel like there's like hundreds of thousands of people in this Facebook group. And sometimes people who are in YTT will like post questions. And the other day I was listening, I was listening, I was reading a thread of them and it was like shocking to me considering you, you know, we've both been teaching, you've been teaching a decade. I'm almost at that mark. Um, Some YTT students said, I have to give my like final, I think in this particular YTT, they only had to queue, they only had to queue out like one short sequence. So they basically described going from like, a one-legged mountain to an airplane to a high lunge, essentially. And so they wrote that out on this forum forum, and they had the breath first, like we said, and then the movement and the action. I really thought it was fine. I thought maybe they just wrote out too many words because they were typing out every single cue they could give in an airplane and every single cue they can get. So that would have been my only critique, if any, would be to keep it simple there was like hundreds of comments from like the yoga, the yoga gang on this Facebook group saying like, why are you queuing breath first? And to me, that kind of shocked me. I'm like, what, why are there so many people who don't cue breath first? Like it was really, really mind boggling to me. And so this is the way I like to practice. This is the way I like to teach. I've gotten good feedback on it. But again, there are many different, you know, experiences and preferences and, you know, the people who like the way you teach are going to find you. They're going to resonate with you. And those are going to be your students and you can't please everyone. That is true. Yeah. And then the last thing, cause I just 
briefly mentioned pacing when you're queuing, just know, especially in your salutations, that the rate at which you queue dictates the pacing. And that might yeah. see, seem obvious, but if you're doing a slow flow, you're obviously going to want to slow leave space, like leave a breath between each cue. And if you're doing, you know, a middle ground pace, let it be like a talking moderate pace. And then if you're doing like a fast or power, like you really can let it be like beat by beat by beat, like just let it, let it rip. <laughs> <laughs> just let it go. Yeah. Um, yeah. I think we kind of, we kind of talked about some of the, um, major bullet points. And just to recap, I want to say these, these, uh, bullet points that I'm about to go on. I don't know if anyone ever takes notes, but this is my recap is breath establishes pace. Try to stick to minimal relevant cueing, leave some space around your cues and then tailor your cues, not only to what you are seeing, but also to what you are focusing on in your sequencing. Yeah. And uh try to use inclusive, welcoming language. Being don't, direct. Don't, I mean, you, you said yeah, be direct, people. don't don't people to death, mm -hmm. and maybe stay away from like polarizing language. Like I don't think ver uh yogis is too polarizing, but definitely gender things are polarizing. So try to eliminate those sort of things from your, from your language. At the yeah. end of the day, we want people to feel welcome and comfortable in the spaces that we're creating. And so just know that this helps create that space. It's like your language is important. It helps create that space. Also for everyone out there, like how does language dictate your teaching and what are some things that you really like to follow? Uh, we would love to hear that. So message us on, a, on Instagram or if you have a question concerning uh, language and queuing, message us, or you can go on our website and you could leave a question there. This is definitely uh, um, a wide scoped topic. So there's so much more to mm -hmm. talk about. Yeah. Um, so let's play cancel, commit, explore. We haven't played this in a while with some queuing things. I'm going to say first, a teacher that is strict, authoritative, and like very commanding. Maybe they don't you to death. So that strict teacher. Okay. Someone who personally calls out your name in class and gives you, you know, public feedback. And then a teacher that uses, oh, we didn't even talk about this but a teacher that uses lots of I, like, I want you to do this or well, I do that when, when yeah. I do this and I do that. So a, a teacher that makes it about them. So the strict teacher, the calling out your name and bringing attention to you or the I, the me, the my teacher. <laughs> I'm going to get rid of the I, the me, the my. Okay. I'm going to explore the uh, strict teacher. <laughs> <laughs> and I'm gonna commit to calling people's names. <laughs> <laughs> You're like, Those are all bad. Gigi, very good. You can Gigi, do it. Be like Gigi. Oh God, he looks so gorgeous. I love your top. 
Well, okay. I think I said this in a different episode is that like, I, I used to like that personally, but then I felt like I was like chasing the praise. And then if I didn't get it, I felt bad. And then also I've on the flip side as a teacher, when I've done that, I feel like it distracts from the group experience because everyone wants to look at that person. Be like, Why for me, is that it's, person? It's for me, it's like, I literally don't. I'm so bad with names that I'm just like, I don't even know your name. So yeah. I like for one time I was calling like a Becky, a Katie for like years. Good job. The completely <laughs> I wish wrong they had name. told you. I wish completely they wrong name. It was horribly embarrassing. It is embarrassing. Can I say one other thing? Because I know we're going to get into our funny stories, but I just threw in the I, the me, the my teacher. And it's reminding me that I don't typically do this, but when I do bring myself into queuing, it's because I want to relate in a way where I think something that I'm doing is like challenging and, or, um, maybe even a little woo woo. Like, like if I'm teaching pranayama and I feel like it's to an audience that has never experienced this, I'll be like, Oh, I, I prefer to sit like this, or I prefer this thing just mm. to like, kind of like humanize it or, or in some way. Yeah. Or talk about the physical experience. Like when I teach like different variations of warrior one, I'm like, my lower back has pain. So I like to do warrior one like this. And that's yeah. probably going to help someone else with lower back pain. Yeah. I think that, the, I don't think that that's always bad. I think there are a lot of instances where actually that could be quite helpful. Well, you um, had said something about like feedback earlier in one of the corporate places that I was teaching. I had done that. I was like teaching a pranayama and they were like, oh, you talked about your experience there. Please don't use the I, you know, don't tell, you don't need to use the I and talk about that. And I was like, well, you know what? I intentionally did that because I wanted to make it more approachable. How am I going to get all these people yeah, but who that have place never that done? Were, that place that you were teaching was literally trash. Okay. Well, that's besides the point. Um, and I, I, I wouldn't agree with that word trash, but yeah, I think uh, feedback is subjective and I, I want to encourage listeners out there. If you are going to use the, I, the me or whatever, be intentional. Don't make the practice. Well, of that. And also you, if you're, yeah, if you're going to use the, I, you know, the me, then use that in a relationship that really helps too. <laughs> oh my God. Emily, like, what are you saying? Okay. Okay. Are, are we going to talk about the funny thing about yoga? Yes. Here's the funny thing about yoga. When Gianna used to teach at Zen Yoga Garage, I would uh, end my class and I would, we would always get lunch after. So I was done at 7.30 and she was done at eight. And so at, at uh, 7.55, I would go outside of the window and point to the watch and tell her to hurry up. He would literally, I like couldn't look out the window. Like if I, he'd be pacing back and forth a good 30 minutes to just let me teach. And then like, I would end my class on time and he'd be like, what took so long? What? And it's like, well, you want me to end it five minutes early because you want a breakfast burrito? Like, calm down. And I had to just like for the last 30 minutes of class, which is literally half the class, just not look out the window. Because if I caught a glimpse of him, like I would just start laughing while teaching because he's like pointing at his watch. He's mouthing <laughs> to me that he's starving. I was like, I didn't complete my job. <laughs> what about for you? Yeah, you literally think you're funny, huh? I do, baby. I think you're hot. <laughs> okay. Um, let's see. I have so many good stories. I was just thinking about a really funny one the other day. When I got like hooked on yoga, I think I would say it was like 2014, 2013, 2014. I got so hooked where I made this like commitment where I was like, I'm gonna I'm going to take a class every single day. And I try to do this as like a New Year's 
Year's resolution, I think I made it to like April without missing a single day of like going to a public group class. But there was this one day where the only time that worked for me at the studio was a prenatal class and I wasn't <laughs> pregnant. <laughs> you never told me. And I knew the teacher. Did yeah, I knew the teacher. Her name is no, no, no. Her name is Angela. She used to teach at CAC. I'm only saying her name because I don't know where she is now. And I would love to take her class because she was a great teacher. So if anyone listening is like, you know where to find this teacher, I would love to practice with her again. But I went into her prenatal class. She also like taught the regular vinyasas that I would take all the time. And she's like, oh, you're in prenatal. Like how far along are you? I was like, oh, I'm not pregnant. It's just the only class I can take. <laughs> what did and you she say? literally looked at me and she was, she literally looked at me and she's like, I don't think you should take this class. <laughs> she's like, I mean, she's like, I mean, you can. And she just looked so awkward. She's like, I just don't know if you'll like get anything from it. <laughs> and I Did you like, take okay, it? Okay, I guess I'll try to come back later. Did no, I felt really awkward because she called me out. No, 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 no. She called me out. And I was like, okay, I guess I can't just go and take a prenatal What if I, can I go and take a, can you and me go take a prenatal class? I'm and sure then, that. And then, be, and then you'd be like, it's your first. <laughs> I mean, I taught prenatal. I did a training then after. And I, if you came to my prenatal class, I would just be like, oh, you probably want to know what the sequencing feels like and what the adaptations are and what I focus yeah, on. Yeah, I would prenatal. just be like, hey, baby, this is another number, baby. Yeah, no and more person in here. <laughs> I would let you take my prenatal class, but I thought that was funny. I was I was so yeah, addicted that's really, to that. That's really, really funny. Yeah. Well, I hope we made them laugh again. Our I our hope little we made you laugh, my little baby. Our little gigglers. I'm gonna just call them gigglers. <laughs> my little gigglers. I think that's cute. Gigglers. Giggler. My little gigglers. Can we like gigglers? Add, we need to add like a like a yoga word to the gigglers, but we can't say yoga. Giggly asana. Giggly asana. Giggly asana. <laughs> so all right, dumb. everyone. Thank you all for joining us. We love you to pieces. We've had a blast and we hope you learned that. We hope you learned something about queuing. We'll see you soon. Edelweiss, Edelweiss. Every morning you greet me, strong and wide. Remember from Sound of Music? No, but also it was like, wow, he's speaking German. Why is Edelweiss? Oh, yeah. Is that German? Yeah, I think, well, Sound of Music's Austrian, right? But it's like a flower or something. I don't know. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I, yeah. My German's pretty good, but not that good. How do you say my name is Gianna in German? Ich heiße Gianna. You know what my favorite way to say goodbye in German, especially in Southern Germany? Tschüssies. Can that be your drag name? <laughs> <laughs>